0: Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Shut Up and Grime with your host, yours truly, Robert B. Foster. This is episode number 224, and we're going to be discussing the seven types of rest and burnout. But before we get there, if you're joining me on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. If you're joining me on either of my Facebook pages, please like and share if you don't want to keep this good content to yourself. If it's your first time checking us out, I encourage you to stay all the way through. because we're all about helping you overcome whatever obstacle is in your path that's keeping you from reaching the success that you want to have. So for a lot of people, being tired is one of their big reasons why they can't accomplish what they want to accomplish. And so today's topic is going to be very beneficial because we hear it all the time, especially in the fitness world. Constantly, I'm tired. I have no energy. I'm tired. I have no energy. Now, well, are you sleeping all night? No. (laughs) So so there's a problem. But before we get into that, you know, we're going to play the intro video. We'll do the teachable moment of the day, and then we'll meet my guest. I started doing workshops and doing groups where I'm getting up in front front of others, like outside of the gym setting, and talking about resilience and perseverance and goal setting and vision and taking action. You should know what one hour of your time is worth. You should know the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is. Starts with clarity of vision. If you don't have the clarity of vision, whatever next thing you get, you're not going to see it through because you don't have the clarity of vision. So the, the point of my pain was being told you will never run or jump again all that stuff, I was like, you know what, like, I want to be able to take this even bigger. If you know why you do what you do, you have to know how to charge for what you do. That's how you're going to change your life, and that's how you're going to leave a legacy for your children and your family. you got to know your life. All right, so for today's Teachable Moment, I'm going to talk about getting the things that you actually want. So before I I get into it, I have, I'm going to be on the mental health, what's it called? The Friday night mental health hour, this uh, Friday night at 6 p.m. Obviously talking about mental health on a radio show. And I just found out today that I'll be writing an article for an international publication. And how did I get these things, you ask. Is it because of the podcast? Is it because I'm a speaker? No, because I asked. (laughs) It was that simple. I just went to to the publication, submitted my info, and they said yes. So the, the teachable moment of the day is, what is it that you really want? And are you creating problems, we call them fake problems, for why you can't have that thing? So if you just simply ask, you'll find that the path that you think may be so difficult is really not the case. And even with my daughter, the other day, she's, she's taking time off of off of school. And she was so afraid to call the dean's office because she thought she was going to get in trouble. Or she was going to have to reapply. She was going to lose financial aid. Like, she was just creating all these scenarios in her head. And I was like, just pick up the phone and call the dean. So she called the dean and she came back down. She's like, oh, my God, everything's going to be be fine. Everything's going to be good. But, like, she created this this false reality before even tackling the problem. So now, am I an accomplished writer? No, I don't suck at writing, but I wouldn't say I'm a writer, like I'm not a journalist. But to get into this publication, I'm a human like everyone else. I was like, you know, this, this might be a tall task, but I don't know until I asked. I asked last night and I found out this morning, <laughs> you know? So the whole point of, of the Teachable Moment is don't sell yourself short. If there's something that you want to accomplish and you're passionate about, just start asking the right people, and those opportunities are going to show up in your life. So let's get back to the tired people. You drag an ass all day at work. You know what happens? Everybody goes goes through it at some point. Myself included. I know I always present like I'm high energy all the time, but there are days where I just don't feel like it. And we got to be able to get into that into that uh, reserved well. And you know, I'll let the expert talk about that. So helping me have this conversation is Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith. She's been featured all over the media. She's a speaker, and she'll let she'll tell us everything else that she does. So welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Robert. Great to be here.
0: All right. Thank you for taking the time. And uh, where are you joining me from?
1: Birmingham, Alabama.
0: Birmingham. It's funny. I'm just listening to, what's his name? Bill Burr, the comedian. He he was talking about being in in Birmingham. It was was pretty funny. (laughs) I'll leave it at that. It was pretty funny. (laughs) Are you originally from there?
1: No, originally from Atlanta, Georgia. Okay.
0: I've been to Atlanta. I have not been to Birmingham. All right. So what brought you to Bama?
1: My medical practice. So um, I was in a program called National Health Service Corps, and Birmingham or the area around Birmingham was actually considered a health care shortage area. Uh,
0: Okay. And you went to go fix it.
1: That's exactly right. I had my my white coat that looked a lot like a white cape back in those days, and I was ready (laughs) to go save the world.
0: I love it. That's awesome. All right. So let's get to know you a little bit better. So how would you describe yourself?
1: I describe myself as, at the very core, a mom and a wife and a physician, but really someone who just really enjoys helping people be the best version of themselves. Um, And that process uh, began with medicine and just has evolved since then into so much more.
0: Okay. And so what did you see yourself doing for a career when you were younger?
1: I don't think I've ever thought of doing anything other than medicine. Okay. I recalled as a child, um, there used to be this game called Operation. I'm dating myself oh, here oh, yeah. very badly. Oh, I know it, Operation. I <laughs> <laughs> but it was this body basically and a little um, you had a little tweezers that were your system that you were going to use to erect things from um, this electronic body and if you could do it without getting the bzzz, then you succeeded. well I never succeeded at that which is probably why I never became a surgeon um, and went into internal medicine but that's really where the focus of everything with my life began with with that process of just curiosity. Um, And that's what led into the research that I'm now doing and the books that I'm writing and all the things that I'm currently involved in.
0: Love it. So wasn't that one of the most stressful games ever?
1: It was. (laughs) I quickly decided, okay, I don't have steady enough hands to even accomplish this game. So I definitely don't need to be a hurt.
0: (laughs) I remember playing with my siblings. And, you know, like, especially once you get down to the last couple, it's like you're shaking, you're sweating. It's like over a game. Come on. (laughs)
1: Honestly, Uh, it was great practice for for residency, however.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. All right. So how would you describe your upbringing?
1: I grew up a little bit of an unusual situation, I think. And I think that's a big part of what um, framed what I ended up doing. My mother died soon after childbirth. My dad was wow. in the military. So my dad and my mom and dad went into the hospital to have their first child. He left a uh, widow in active duty. So, um, I was raised actually by my grandmother, but I always had this kind of in the back of, and no one really knew what happened, why she died. So I think kind of in the back of my mind, that's why I say I I grew up with that, um, intention of medicine, almost being like a white coat, um, being like a, a cape. It's like, I want to find out why people die. I want to find out what is going on in the medical system. I I want to know the ins and out of this process. I didn't want to have this victim mentality about health and and well-being and medicine. And I didn't want to have distrust for doctors. So for for myself, I just injected myself into the system. Okay.
0: That's great. I mean, obviously, the reason isn't great. Right,
1: right. But
0: the, the intention is great. So yes. I just I just want to sidetrack side for a quick 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 second. What what was it like growing up with without your mom? And 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 I'm and I'm asking that because my my daughter is at, actually in counseling now because she grew up without hers. So I'm just just curious as to how would you describe your experience?
1: You know what? Honestly, I would say it was it was harder looking back on it than it was in the moment. Yeah. And in the moment, there were there were many instances where. I can think back and looking at my friend, looking at um, like elementary school, let's say friends and they would go to these events and they talk about the great time they have with their parents or parents would show up as a couple, you know, to their plays or musicals or whatever it was, you know, that we all were doing (laughs) back in those days in school. And at the time, I really didn't think about it very much because I always had people showing up. It just wasn't a mother figure showing up. It was really when I was older that it really hit me Um, when I got married. My husband's mother actually stepped into that place, which honestly endeared her to me because every girl wants her mom there with her on her wedding day. Uh, There's just something about that. You know, you want someone who really can you can talk to about things like that. So it was it was those when I gave birth to my first child and my second child at that point, you know, those are moments that it really hit me. I don't have my mom here with me. Um, And those are some really important moments. So it was helpful to have other women stepping into those places um, because I needed a female figure as great as my dad was. um, He couldn't be that in those moments.
0: Yes. See, and, I asked that too because I think dealing with childhood stuff also plays a role in why why people don't get get enough rest. I mean, it can play a role, but uh, like I was just saying, with my daughter, same thing. Like she's she's 19. she'll be 20 in a couple months. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, when she went to preschool, I used to send. Hair, hair products to school with her and the teacher's aide would do her hair and stuff. Like, I could do a ponytail and one braid. That was it. I, I I it. The, Sometimes the ponytail was crooked, but my standards weren't that high, so I just <laughs> sent her anyway. <laughs> like, just go. And then same thing as she was getting older, you know, with uh, Winter Ball, I had two, two women from my gym come to the house to do her hair and her makeup and everything. And just like you were saying, in that moment, think she was all right because someone was there.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: then it, it really didn't start hitting her until she graduated high school. Yeah, and that's when the questions started coming. And so I was like, you know, what, let's let's have you talk, talk to someone now you can unpackage everything. So like I said, I was just just curious as to what your experience was with that.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Um, it's interesting you say that because actually what you just described um, with your daughter is one of the seven types of rest that my research came that That showed up in the research. you know, my my research for the most part, I at the time as I was doing it and and working through my own burnout, I didn't relate it to my childhood upbringing. However, in retrospect and looking at things and talking with people, I' actually see that it was directly connected. The reason I personally burned out is because I in the back of my head, there was this this inner voice that was like, If I want to make sure things turn out good, then I need to have my hand at it 24-7. There's no time to rest. There's no time to break. If I wasn't grinding, stuff wasn't getting done. And so that was my mindset consistently. And so going into, you know, whether it was my medical practice or, you know, entrepreneurial opportunities or even raising a family and getting a husband, all of that was like, I have to always be on. And that's really what built into that mindset that led me to burnout.
0: Okay, so how did how did you navigate the burnout? Because some some people reach that point, but they just keep fighting through it
1: you know, well i hit it. I hit the wall. <laughs>
0: So okay. <laughs> if, you've ever,
1: if you've ever run a marathon or a half marathon mm. and you get to that point course you trained, you know, and whenever yeah. I train for like a, I I prefer halves. Whenever I train for like a half and I'm running, you know, and I'm training, I don't train all the way up to the 13, you know, 0. 0.2 miles. I, yeah. I train up to like 10 and I'm like, mm-hmm. if I can do 10, I can do three more. That's, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a 5K. You can do that without training. So and I'm thinking, OK, I can definitely accomplish that. And then you get to like 11 and you feel like I'm going to need to lay on the ground because I, I just don't have anything left in me. And you're pushing. Mm. That's what my life felt like. It's like yeah. I, I was I was consistently running at the at the you know 10 mile point. I was consistently grinding. And then if there was any extra little something asked of me, I had no reserve. There was nothing left in the tank. And unfortunately, the way medicine is set up, you know, it's not necessarily conducive to a family. I mean, you people get sick, they get sick, and they don't care if it's Christmas or someone's birthday or middle of the night, you know, it, they don't care. It's just they're sick and you got to go to the ER or the ICU. Yeah. Well, that was great in my 20s, you know, when I had no kids and then my husband was like used to it. That's just the lifestyle we lived. We kind of were always on the go. And then I had kids. I had my kids back to back um, about 21 months apart. And I recall coming home one day after picking them up from daycare, full day at the office, you know, 6A, 6P, grabbed them just before daycare closed where they start finding you and, you know, got them in my house. And I remember putting them in front of the TV and literally just laying on the floor. I mean, I I was like, "I, I don't have a thing left in me. I just need to lay on this floor till I can at least figure (laughs) out even what the next step is. And I think that's when it really hit me. You know, I've hit hit bottom. And, you know, the the strange thing was I'm staring up at the chandelier in my, you know, in my dream house, uh, just got out the garage with my dream car, with my dream man, with the dream kids and the dream job. And I'm like, if this is what I've been working for, then I'm stupid because this isn't what I want. (laughs) <laughs> this does True. not look like or feel like anything that I imagine it would feel like.
0: Say, and I'm glad you said that because you'll see people who don't have the dream house, don't have the dream car, they're not in the best relationship and they're so happy, <laughs> you know? So yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you said that because I always tell people and I try to tell my kids, I'm like, don't chase money, chase passion. I said if you chase passion, the money will find you. That's good. You know? You know what I mean? Because, like, that's huge. Because my, my story is very similar to yours, just a different industry. I was in the restaurant industry. Mm-hmm. But same thing, nights, weekends, holidays. And when, when you're a manager, you're always on call. This isn't like Rob's off today. So some something breaks, my phone's ringing. I could be at the beach. Oh, cook called out, and, and we're short to wait staff. Got to pack up, leave the beach, and, you know, go back in, into the restaurant. And then the same thing. I just started seeing so many things that I was missing with the kids. And my, mine happened on the highway. So I was, I was on the highway. I was commuting an hour each way and still working 10 to 12 hours. You know, in addition to that, one hour each way commute. And so I just started, I had a full-blown panic attack. Like, my heart was racing. I couldn't breathe. I was sweating. Like, I seriously thought I was having a heart attack. And, I, like, I pulled over on the highway and bawling my eyes out. And I'm like, this this can't be. You know, I'm like this can't be. It's like I'm killing myself and for what? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like, yeah, I have a house, I have a car, but I'm like one catastrophe away from being broke. <laughs> it's like but I'm but I'm working anywhere from sixty to eighty hours a week. It's oh, like yeah. this it's like this can't be the norm.
1: But it is the norm for so for a lot of people right now. <laughs> and that's and that's what I think is when it dawned on me that I I'm not the only one, you know, because a part of you feels like, okay, I just missed it. I really missed it. Whatever it was that everybody else learned, you know, going through college and, and <laughs> getting where they need to be, I somehow completely missed it. But, you know, when I, once I got off that floor and kind of went through the rest of that week, and when I went back into the office and started working with patients and started really listening to them, the number one thing that most people were coming into the medical practice complaining about, was I'm so tired. I'm so tired. You know, how do I get better sleep? All these things related to fatigue. And most of them were wanting, you know, like, the, the yeah, I, I call it the all inclusive series of tests, you know, yeah. check, check <laughs> me out, doc, tell me what's wrong with me. <laughs> um, and the reality is, most of them were completely healthy. There was nothing <laughs> wrong with them, because my patients were fairly, you know, young in, in internal medicine, 40s, 50s, I mean, there wasn't anything that I could find for most of them that was the issue. And I was feeling the same way. You know, there was nothing I could find medically wrong with myself, but I knew something was off. And that's what led to the research that on the seven types of rest, it was really my way of, it was kind of physician heal thyself. I need to figure out what was the issue because the distressing part happens when you figure out how to get sleep. Because I figured out how to get seven, eight hours of sleep and high quality sleep. Like, like I could check myself, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like elect- electrodes to the brain, <laughs> oxygen levels. I could check myself and actually tell that I was getting high quality sleep and I was still waking up exhausted. And, you know, like you mentioned with your daughter, you know, needing to work through some other things. What I personally was experiencing mainly was an emotional and social rest deficits. But I had no idea those things even existed. And so in the research, when I, you know, was working through all of that and looking at what are the other reasons that people get fatigued, that's where the seven types of rest came from. And that's where the book Sacred Rest Came From. And that that whole process completely changed my my life and the work that I do and the people I'm able to actually influence and, and assist. All
0: right. So so take me through how you transitioned from what, what you were doing in the hospital or practice to starting your own thing.
1: Yeah, well, I was in the hospital for over 20 years. So I, that didn't, wasn't a quick transition because that's that was my life. That was kind yeah. of what I was used to. But when I started doing the research, the research was being done As I was still working my regular job, which is whenever I'm working with, you know, entrepreneurs or people who are like, but I'm working a day job, but I feel like I'm called to do this. You don't necessarily have to just break, you know, (laughs) break the relationship. You know, sometimes where you're at actually gives you some extra information that might be needed for what you're doing. And that's what I found personally, you know, because I would I would I would. Go and do the research on these types of rest uh, in my off time, you know, and it wasn't like I had a lot of off time, but that's when I was working through that. And then I take what I would learn back to my patients and start asking questions. And I'm basically using the research in the field as I'm learning. And so, you know, when I was initially, there wasn't just seven types of rest. There were lots of types of rest that I came up with. <laughs> and, you know, when, when I'm working with people, I noticed that, oh, well, this problem was only an issue for people with within certain economic levels, you know, it was an issue for people who were struggling financially. Oh, yeah. this one's only an issue for people who were living in affluent, you know, <laughs> areas. And so I wanted, I wanted rest that um, deficit kind of a definition that hit everybody regardless of your economic status, your, your background, regardless of your education level, those kind of things, whether you lived in the country or the city, none of that, I wanted none of that to make a difference. So these seven were things that kind of got pulled apart as I'm working with people, because the area I live in, I have people who are farmers, and then I have people who are living very affluent lives and, you know, million, million dollar plus homes. And so it was one of those things where it needed to be all inclusive, um, for it to have kind of the type of um, foundation that I wanted it, considering that a lot of it's medical
0: yeah see it's like you're you're dropping all the right knowledge on exactly what this show is about because I say all the time for people that want to do something I say just get started like you just get oh, started yeah. and you figure it out as you go like when I started this podcast like I didn't have I, I didn't have the background and the lights and all this other stuff like I didn't have I didn't even have a clear cut topic you know I wasn't sure what I was gonna call it and I was was, it was just me at first talking about fitness stuff you know because I have a fitness background but I was like I don't like I don't want to just be another fitness guy and Mm -hmm. and honestly 2020 when everything went virtual was when I got into the storytelling part and highlighting people's backstories because people really suck at introducing themselves (laughs) <laughs> it was it was so it was like a train wreck. One of the first masterminds I joined, that, that going through and I was one of the last ones to go, which is good because I got to. I was taking notes on everybody else that was stumbling through their intro, and I was just like, "You are sixty years old. How can you not introduce yourself? <laughs> it's like, Ex- explain this to me. It's like you've been in business for thirty five years, and you can't explain your business in less than ten minutes. <laughs> you know, so, so I was like, I am kind of on to something here." And and it just evolved. It evolved over time. And it's because people think that they have to have all the ducks in a row. We gotta have the website. We gotta have this, we gotta have that. And and you don't. You just have to get started and then just let things develop. Because I, I tell people, you can always upgrade. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just like in the gyms, people people go into debt getting all this fancy equipment and the you know the latest tech technological advances in fitness. And dude, you have no clients. It's like, why don't you get clients first so you can pay the bills, then slowly add new things. People love it when there's new things.
1: Yeah, you know, that's so good. And I love how you started off talking about kind of uh, pitching yourself basically to this publication. Because, you know, when my initially when my book first came out, It it had good publicity overall, you know, I mean, it got, word got out there. But when the book Sacred Rest got inside the right media, that's when things blew up. (laughs) Because You know, these seven types of rest, the, the seven, just so we get them named, are physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, social, sensory, and creative. And for most people, you know, they had never really thought about what type of rest that they needed. But, you know, I related to, to like this as a physician, if somebody walks into my emergency room or my office and they say, hey, doc, I hurt. OK, what am I supposed to do with that? I mean, I can't do anything with that. I don't even know where to look at to find a problem to even start trying to treat it. But people say this all the time. Hey, doc, I'm tired. Well, where am I supposed to look? What's tired? Which of these seven areas is the issue? Because until we kind of get that figured out, we don't even know how to treat it. And yes. so, you know, the process for myself was I knew it was helping people because I saw it in my small circle working within my own co- community and within mm-hmm. my own state. But then once I kind of got a little bolder and thought, you know, I know this can, should help more people because I know we have a global issue going on where people are chronically fatigued. The first one was was reaching out, um, trying to do a TEDx talk because I didn't consider myself a speaker, I'm an introvert, I don't really like speaking in front of large crowds, <laughs> not my thing, you know, so I'm like, okay, but I feel like the next step for growth is going to require me to stretch a little bit and do something I'm not comfortable with. So then I started studying how to be a better presenter, how to get past the fears, how to do it scared. Um, and that TEDx talk blew up my life. It, <laughs> it When I say it ha- took on a life of its own, I started getting speaking requests from corporations. I started getting media reaching out to me, whereas before I was reaching out to them, you know, yeah. it had it, it was like, OK, you got past your little fear thing, <laughs> that little line in the sand of fear. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, OK, you've stepped into some other level. And that's what really led for myself that. Opened up so many doors and and led to my my current company resources and a lot of the other things that I'm doing and and I think it really was that first step reaching out to media like you were talking about and just kind of stretching yourself some.
0: Yes, love it. Stretching. I know I have to I have to just suck suck it up and do a TED talk because I'm a very I'm a very speak from from the soul type of speaker. So it's like I I don't ever pre pre write any of my any of my material i show
1: up and i talk <laughs> you know? i do too that's that's how i prefer to talk that's yes. my preference but no tedx is very you know it's very regimented yeah. <laughs> i have to actually i've never in my life memorized a talk ever mm-hmm. um you know in my life um and that is what they require a memorized yes, talk that flows like it's coming from just you know that you're just giving a talk yeah. um, i kept mine under 10 minutes Because I knew for me to be able to do that, having that not be my background, it needed to be short. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it was under 10 minutes and I made it as concise as possible with stuff that I knew that I could not forget. So, so basically the way I created mine is I spoke it into my, like um, my dick, my computer dictation system. (laughs) I spoke, so I basically (laughs) did what I would normally do. I did it just kind of off the cuff. Mm. got a script, tweaked it a little bit so that it flowed well. So it felt like it was how I would normally say things. It wasn't like, you know, normally when you write, the way you write and the way you speak are not the same. And so normally if you write a talk, it doesn't flow like natural to you because it's not the way you speak. But if you speak the talk and dictate it, you know, and transcribe it, you actually can have a formatted talk that actually flows a lot easier. So anybody trying to do a 10x that actually feels like you, that's the easiest way to do it.
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd have to, like, my sister did did one, and she's like, oh, Rob, Rob, you got to do this. And I looked into it, and, and I looked at all the requirements. I was like, I don't know. I was like, that's, that's just not me. Like, that's just not how I talk. But I know I know it can be beneficial. So like you said, I might just have to just stretch and just just do one. Just get it on the resume.
1: Most of my speaking and now my my um since well 20 years of clinical practice, um February, well actually December December 12th of 2019, I officially retired from full-time clinical practice. I'm still a nice. partner in my company, but I don't full-time have patients on the books and all of those things anymore. Yeah. So I officially um, retired from that because my speaking schedule had basically overtaken um, my full-time clinical practice. And so, and that's actually, as you can, can, can imagine, was going into 2020, which should have been a horrible time for someone who's just breaking into, you know, full-time speaking. Actually, I ended up making more money dur- during 2020 as a full-time speaker than I did as someone in a major medical practice with the largest group in our area. Which wow. to me is unbelievable. <laughs> That's
0: awesome, and, and it's
1: really just uh, what what it showed me was uh, for myself, and I and it was an affirmation to kind of keep going in the direction I was going. Is that I benefited more people medically. Doing what I was doing, sharing something that they were not aware of, helping them identify their personal rest deficits, helping them be able to have conversations with their own physicians about where their deficits were so that they could get better than I did actually working with patients one-on-one. I work better now with patients one-on-hundreds or thousands Mm -hmm. than I did one-on-one and actually can help so many more people. And there's a reward for that. You know, People companies pay to bring you into their organization to help their 10,000 employees be able to be better at their job simply by better understanding themselves. So, you know, you never nearly know where your gifting lies and what somebody will pay for your gifting because- In my head, I'm thinking I am literally saving lives (laughs) the past 20 years. Like literally, hands on the heart pumping it, saving lives (laughs) and and didn't see a financial benefit of that rewarding, definitely career, but didn't see the financial benefit of that because it's still kind of one-on-one. And so the return was based on the one-on-one. Whereas now with it being one-on-many, People, you know, people are paying $20,000 for 45 minutes worth of a talk. That's, that's mind boggling to me, but I can see the benefit of how, for that company doing that yes. because from their standpoint, they're only paying a couple of, you know, a couple of dollars per person to get, yeah. to get the benefit that they need.
0: Love it. And just think all that started from burnout.
1: All of that started laying <laughs> on the floor, staring at the chandelier with tears streaming down my face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and actually no, because
0: I I can't downplay downplay your work. So, but that burnout led you to take the actions necessary to build what you have today. Because, like I said, many people just they just stay in the fire. You know, they just stay in it. And one one saying I say all the time is like, when you're in the fire, you can't see the fire. You just can't. Because oh, yeah. like I've been single for three years now. I want to say and i'll be talking to people about relationships and stuff and then they're like oh oh we're going to take advice from you cuz you're saying them I'm like i'm not in the fire anymore i was like i am out of the fire and now i see things within others that i couldn't see within my own <laughs> oh know? that's so, so
1: good so that's looking so at good. it with
0: that lens
1: yeah, and I think that's probably why I can relate so easily to to some of these high-pressure companies. Most of the companies I work with are ones that are specifically known to have high achievers who burn out. The tech industry, the medical industry, lawyers, yes. real estate agents. Yeah, <laughs> so, mortgage. you know, it it looks like, oh, she talks to everybody. No, I talk to high achievers. I talk to people who get stuff done and that's how they're hot wired and they're not going to make apology for being hot wired like that, but they need to understand how to preserve themselves with their natural tendencies. Because I'm still the same, you know, <laughs> high achiever type personality. I didn't change, but I learned things about myself that now allows me to protect myself. So in the process of being a high achiever and wanting to get stuff done and check the boxes and all those things that come with that, I I can quickly recognize when I get, some people say off balance, you know, with their work life. I say when I get to a place where I'm not functioning um, really knowledgeable knowledgeably about myself because I know what I need. I know when I need breaks, I can ignore it, but I know when I need it. So as yes. long as I'm aware of that and honor it, then I stay in a healthy place.
0: See, I think we could totally rock, rock a stage together. Cause like what I help people do is help them become more relatable just with their own personal stories. Like one of the biggest things now, I clashed with every boss I've ever had, you know, so I was, I was just destined to be, to, to work for myself. Like literally with every single one that I've ever worked for, we had beef at some point, but a lot of it is just because a lot of these people, they put themselves on this pedestal and it's, it's kind of like a reminder. You're just as human as me. <laughs> it's like, yes, you're my boss, but it's like, you know, you have, you have stuff in your arsenal that you could better connect with us instead of just saying, I'm the boss, do what I say, you know? So I help people become connectors instead of just, just leaders. So, you know, I became a manager at at a young age and I used to think, you know, I was 15, I was 15 managing a a small diner. And so, you know, when you're working with grown, grown people taking, you know, like me now, I'd be like, I'm taking nothing from this kid, (laughs) Right. That's what people were saying about me. So, so I thought I had to puff up my chest and be, be, be loud and, you know, just be over the top to get these people to take me seriously. But then it was one of my, one of my bosses sat me down and he was like, you know, you got all the talent in the world. He's like, but your attitude is going to hold you back. He's like, you know, you can't just talk to people the way you talk to them. You know, mm-hmm. and I and I never I never forgot that conversation. I was in 1994. Can't tell you anything else that happened in 1994, but I remember that conversation. And so since then, I got I got uh, certified in True Colors, which is about the, per- the the four main personality types. You know, it's a spinoff of Myers Briggs, and and now DISC is a spinoff of True Colors. And it's all the same stuff. Mm-hmm. But once I once I understood what makes people tick. I was like, you know what? So now I have to go and share this info, cause like for me, I I, I had trouble identifying. Like I'm a self starter, I'm, I'm competitive. Like people who aren't competitive, I'm like, I don't get you. <laughs> you know what I mean? But but then understanding where they fall in the spectrum, mm-hmm. now I now I know how to motivate this person, and when this person's talking to me, I know how to receive it. You know, so teaching leaders those skills, you know, coupled with what you're doing. It's a solid combo.
1: Yeah, I can definitely see the synergy with that because when, you know, whenever I'm working with companies, it, that's the thing. When, when we address these different types of rest, we are having to hit on things like personality types, your, your interpersonal relationships. That's the yes. s- social side of rest. You know, how do you find that? We're talking about things about emotions. We're talking about how people deal with boundaries, how they deal with people pleasing type behaviors. You know, there's so many different aspects of things that actually lead us into burnout Because we don't we don't really pay attention to how we respond to certain things and how that actually is draining our energy.
0: Yes. And I I think burnout, too, is is also from unfulfillment.
1: Mm, Absolutely. That's that spiritual and creative sides of of rest. Um, A lot of people don't really see themselves as spiritual because they think, oh, well, that's only a specific faith based type. thing. Yeah, they think it's religion. Yeah, specifically looking at it that way. And I do discuss that because that is a part of a big part of it for some people and for myself included. However, I do recognize that a lot of my patients didn't have any kind of religious background, but still needed to know that their life had purpose, they needed to still feel a sense of belonging, they still needed to have that interconnectedness with humanity, so to speak, so that they felt like they contributed something to the greater good. And I think that's the part of spirituality that some people don't appreciate. And because of it, they feel like, well, you know, what I do, it doesn't matter if I show up or don't show up or, you know, or whatever, because they don't see that interconnectedness.
0: Yes. When I was the kitchen manager, so now grand scheme of things, we're just making food. Like we're just feeding people, but I got it into everyone's mind. It's like, you're an artist, you know, like every plate that goes up has your stamp of approval. And as a kitchen manager, it has to get my stamp of approval. I was like, so I need you guys to give your best. Like, you, like you make these plates. Like you're feeding your grandmother, you know. And just, just instilled that into their brains. Like, yeah, this isn't just chicken fingers. This is gonna be some <laughs> some kid who got an A, and the mom said, "Where do you want to go to eat?" They said they want to come here, and this is their reward.
1: Oh, that's good.
0: You know, so so it's like, and and I do that with everything, even in the gym. I'm like, you know, you're, you're not just pushing a sled. I was like, this here is all the stress that you had today. Take it out on this exercise. That way, when you go back home to your, to, to your family, you're decompressed. Because mm-hmm. a, lot, a lot of people come after work, really, just to unwind from the workday. So I try to instill life lessons into every single workout, every hike, like everything that we do. I, I try to put a higher purpose to it. And I say the same thing. I said, this has nothing to do with religion because whether you you believe in God or not, your life has to have more meaning than just waking up, working, and coming home. That's So so
1: good. And I I love that you you shared that because, you know, one of the things that specifically for your audience that might be of interest, you know, one of the things I'm often asked, well, you're talking about rest. Do you mean sleep? No, sleep and rest are not the same thing. That's actually what the TEDx talk was about. So look it up if you want to see that whole disposition. But really what we talk about rest we're talking about restorative activities what are the things you do to pour back in the energy that you expel during other activities and so sometimes people will tell me well i feel like i get rest when i'm out jogging or when i'm at the gym how can that be rest if i'm physically active so you're physically not resting during those times yes. but you can get mental rest during those times because if you think about it like this if i'm if i'm if i'm boxing and i'm hitting a bag right Physically, my body's not resting, but mentally, I'm doing something very repetitive. And in the process of doing that, I'm thinking about my breathing. I'm thinking about my, my my fist strike. You know, I'm thinking about positioning and body positioning. When I'm doing those things, my brain actually gets to gets a chance to kind of single focus. It's almost like yes. meditation you're narrowing your attention, whereas most of us spend the majority of our day with our brain hyperactive. It's thinking about all the things, you know, at one time, processing and, you know, going through all of that. So any activity, jogging, um, you know, any kind of physical activity that helps you to focus your brain can be a form of mental rest. Because during those times, your brain is actually getting a reprieve from all the processing and narrowing the attention down. So we have to really even start looking at rest different because laying around watching 50 hours of Netflix on the weekend may not be restorative for you. It may just be cessation activity. You just stopped. But stopping is not the same as restoration. And so we have to kind of disjoint the two processes.
0: Yes, I love that. It's like people bust bust my chops all the time because I have a really hard time sitting still. And uh, just like even here, like I'm constantly up, down, moving, wiggling, moving, moving my hands. Like that's just me. But uh, I hike. When I get time, time away, I go hike. And now that it's get, get, uh, it's getting warmer here in Rhode Island, usually after this podcast, I have a state park that's like maybe a minute from my house. And I go and I walk the three-mile loop around got on my headphones and I go walk for an hour. And uh, people are like, how is that unwinding? But you just nailed it. That's what it is. Because it's like from the second I wake up at 420, it's go, go, go. I'm teaching class. I'm doing personal training. I'm coming back, getting the kids ready for school, getting the kids to school. I go do my workout. Back to the gym to teach again. Come home. Got to eat breakfast. Get podcast ready. Have, have the podcast. Some days I have a, ma- a mastermind after. So it's like one thing after another after another. And then that one-hour walk just brings me right back down to mental balance Mm -hmm. and then i'm able to tackle the second half of the day where the kids are coming home and then i gotta cook dinner and go back to the gym for for the night class and so on and so forth but that one hour walk to me is restful but um would you would you go through each one of the seven
1: yeah um what you just described with um I'll start there is with creative rest because creative rest is the rest we experience when we allow ourselves to appreciate beauty in whatever forms. And so some people experience through natural beauty, like going out during a hike or going to the ocean or the beach or something like that. Other people experience creative rest by, you know, looking, listening to music or other types of creative art, like looking, going to a museum or watching a theater or play or something like that. So multiple different ways, but you have to understand the way you get to a creative rest deficit is when you are having to solve problems, process ideas, when you are doing, when you are using creative energy, being innovative, thinking outside of the box. And so I suspect you tend to use a lot of creative energy because you have one person who, you know, maybe loves free weights and another person who hates it. And you're yeah. trying to think up creative mm-hmm. ways to make the person who hates it, at least try it so that you can you get know, some results out of them. <laughs> so people use creative energy all the time and oftentimes don't think about how Creative, they actually are. So they become depleted in that area. Sensory rest is a big one for a lot of people. Uh, Our world is very sensory overwhelmed. You know, the lights, the sounds, the spells, the touches, all the things. And so you want to be aware of what your general surrounding looks like because if you are in a surrounding, maybe you're hearing phones in the background, maybe you're working from home and kids are laughing and playing. It doesn't have to be bad sound, it's just the overwhelming. Consistent sounds that can lead us to feeling kind of drained without understanding why, because oftentimes the sensory overwhelm is very subconscious, you don't really, you're not paying attention to the background noises, but they're still affecting you. And the way we respond is with irritation, agitation, rage and anger. So if you get real snippy, you know, at the end of the day, then you may be experiencing a sensory rest deficit and you can um, get a release of that just by being aware, you know, turning off the lights, dimming the lights on your computer in your home in the evening, driving home maybe in silence rather than actually playing music if you're really wound up that way. A lot of different ways to kind of downgrade the sensory input. Physical is pretty basic. There's two types. There's active physical rest and passive. Passive physical rest, sleeping and napping. Active physical rest are those things you do to help your body circulation, lymphatic drainage, and your muscle flexibility. So it's the stretching, it's the foam rollers, it's the, the leisure walks, not where you're trying to you know burn calories, but you're just kind of just allowing your body to move and to have body flow. Um, anything that helps with body ergonomics at your desk, all of those are considered active physical rest. Mental rest, we talked about, you know, if you're someone who has a tendency to be, uh, you lay down at night and your head won't shut up, you have a mental rest deficit. Mm -hmm. Um, You have a hard time concentrating and memorizing things. That's a mental rest deficit. As long as you're not 90 with dementia, you know, (laughs) barring (laughs) no other medical issues. Um, And then so basically finding ways to focus your attention and downgrade the mental processing spiritual rest we discussed, that need we all have for belonging and um, really understanding that our life has purpose. And then um, emotional rest is the ability to be able to be very real and authentic about what you're feeling. Um, It's when you kind of, you're no longer trying to people please, you're saying things as they are. Um, You're not trying to, you know, make sure you're not hurting anyone's feelings. You are just being able to be real and raw. And then social rest is the final one. It's really looking at how your personal relationships and understanding who pulls from you socially and who pours back into you. Most of our relationships negatively pull from our social energy. The people that need things from us, our family, our coworkers. then you have to look at the dynamics of those relationships. Are there times when those people also pouring back into us? Because your spouse and your kids can both pull and pour. Yes. However, usually those relationships get very one-sided, and unless you're careful, you can always be pouring and never receiving.
0: Yes. Yeah, I wrote, wrote that down. I'm gonna gonna clip that out because <laughs> uh, that's good stuff right there. All good stuff. And which one? So which one of the seven do you think most people struggle with the most?
1: That's that's always the question that follows that. So (laughs) so when we first started discussing the seven types of rest, that was the question a lot of people would ask. How do I, first question was, how do I know which one that I need? So we created a free assessment at restquiz.com. And so now I have lots and lots of data. Um, over a quarter million people have actually taken the test at this oh, wow. point. So I have lots of data on which ones people tend to have more of an issue with. Before the pandemic, it was always mental, always nonstop, 100% mental rest. People had busy brain and couldn't shut it up. During the pandemic, sensory shot through the roof. It was like, and you know, when you think about it, it makes sense. Even jobs that had never been online, never been electronic or or like telemedicine. Doctors didn't see patients on telemedicine hardly ever. That was kind of like, oh, you know, that's a new thing that's out there every doctor was seeing patients through telemedicine, you know, during that March, April, May of 2020. So even professions that didn't have a lot of sensory input normally shot through the roof. So that was the shift. And it's right now it's kind of staying consistently between those two back and forth, mental and sensory being very high with people having deficits in those areas.
0: All right. So people take the quiz. What, what happens
1: next? They take the quiz. They get a um, email immediately that tells them their score in all seven. They get one email. I don't email you a hundred times. My email list is mega. I don't really need any more people <laughs> adding to it. So I actually have people if they want to get more information, they self select into our monthly email newsletter where I keep them consistently updated with new information and new things that are going on. But that first email gives them it gives them information about what's inside of my book, Sacred rest, recover your life, renew your energy, restore your sanity, and they're able to quickly kind of identify for themselves, which just with the first email, which of the seven types of rest they should focus on. Because if you're going to bed, and you're getting sleep, and you're like, I'm waking up still tired, then chances are either your sleep is in high quality, which means that you're needing to actually have rest help you bridge your life, so that you can get into higher quality sleep, or that you're actually getting the wrong type of rest which now you at least know which one is the problem and can focus your attention on getting more rest in those areas. And that's what I do in the book. I talk about how to identify if you have a rest deficit, what to do after you've identified it, give some specific examples, actually like three or four examples for each type of rest and then get kind of help them to see the progress of getting better. Nice.
0: All right. So let's talk about your book. which call it sacred rest. How did that yeah. come about?
1: Well, after I got everything done with my own kind of evaluation of the seven types of rest, it was really clear that I could not explain all of that within a 15 minute doctor's appointment. You know, I I live in the real world where doctor's appointments are 15 to 20 minutes and I just couldn't, you know, it's impossible to explain that to somebody in a way that they can understand it. So the quiz got developed and it's like, okay, well, you know, you can find out and then, you know, we can discuss it one, you know, one of the seven when you had your appointment, but even that was very difficult for people. So I needed a way to be able to kind of put all of the ideas together. Um, In when I pitched it to, you know, publisher and a literary agent, it was, it was immediate, like, okay, yeah, let's publish. (laughs) Yeah, let's publish that people Mm -hmm. need to know this. All
0: right. And so how many have you done? Or is that the first one?
1: Oh, this is my third book. Um, so that's oh. my th- sacred rest is my third book.
0: Okay, so what were the first two?
1: The first book is Set Free to Free: Breaking Through the Seven Lies Women Tell Themselves, uh-huh. and then the second book is uh, is a devotional called To Come Empty. And so those were the first two books. Um, this one's very different than those other two. So it was really interesting to see kind of how it was received. But but yeah, it's been a an interesting journey with those. I, I enjoy writing. I'm I'm not. A writer, I'm more of a speaker. So yeah, I actually speak my books into existence. I, um, just like I said with the talk, uh, I speak and um, my Inspired ideas it. out, and then I go in and I clean up what I've spoken.
0: Yeah, I'm actually wor- working on one. I've, I've been working on it for a, a long time <laughs> just because I'm not consistent with it. But I have, I think I have all the intro stuff done. And I have the first six chapters done, but I was doing the same thing, just getting up, talking it and then transcribing it, but my my sister, my sister had a brain aneurysm burst in 2016, and I had, I think this was 2017 now, I had a a voice recorder, a handheld voice recorder, and there was no one here here in the house, it was just me, and I just went and acted as if I was on stage talking about what we just went through with her, and uh, she's she's still with us, thank God, Mm, but uh, but like I went through the whole thing, I had the emotions, like the tears were running down my face and I never hit record.
1: Oh no.
0: <laughs> Cause because like I told you, I'm a very soul-centered speaker. And I was like I don't know if I can duplicate that.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> or if you want to emotionally have to duplicate that after having gone through it. <laughs>
0: yes. I mean like it was so it was so real and so raw. Like I just don't know if a second take I'd be try I'd be mentally trying to duplicate the first take and it's just not going to come out the same. But that's a separate issue. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right. So how can people get in touch with you? I mean, obviously I have the rest quiz up here, but do you have any social handles or all that good stuff?
1: Yeah. So I'm at drdaltonsmith.com is my main website. And all of my social handles, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, are all the same. Just D-R-D-A-L-T-O-N, Smith.
0: All right. And so... We have definitely, def- like, this is, we're definitely going to cross paths again. So uh, I have a, I have a panel coming up soon, too, that you would actually be a solid fit for, you know, if the date works out. But I do them, I do them every month. It looks like this. Like, I bring back five of my, five of my former guests. We pick a topic and we just have a nice, nice round table discussion. And you mean like you never know where those panels will go? Because I have several people, you know, my, myself included, who are collaborating now, working on programs. Yeah, me and three of them were creating, were creating in an, an event. You know, just helping, helping people basically share their inner stories, helping them heal from. you know we, we haven't fully ironed out. Yeah. What we're gonna help them heal from, but they're gonna heal from something.
1: <laughs> uh, I, I totally, get it. totally get it. I do women's retreats and yes. oftentimes the women will show up to these retreats and they're like, I don't really know why I'm here. I just feel like, you know, I, there's something I'm supposed to learn from you. And yes. that's what it is. It's usually healing from something that maybe I've already walked through or helped or or just have some revelation about. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it's always great to just kind of sometimes just to put yourself out there and see what happens.
0: Yeah, because sometimes, too, like, people think that they've overcome something, and they really haven't. Like, mm-hmm. I know we're up, we're up just by that time here, but uh to share quickly, when my father, my father passed away in November of 2019, and, like, I talk about what happened with him all the time. I, I get on podcasts, I talk about it. Every now and then, you know, I'll get, get, a, get a little teary, but for the most part, I can talk about it, no problem, and... So I was in Florida with three three of my my clients. We were down there for a race. And while we were down there, one of the women got a phone call that they were going to have to end care for for her dad. But when she got that phone call, it triggered me. And, like, I thought I was long past everything. But I remembered my sister calling me saying, dad's not going to last a day. And just hearing her get that phone call... And it's like I didn't want to steer away from what she was feeling. So like I went to the front of the Airbnb. And I was like crying. I was like, I thought like I thought I was past this. Like this was just last last month. Well, and mm-hmm. the February. So it's like some sometimes people have things that are still swirling that they think is resolved, but it's really not yet.
1: So true. That is so true.
0: All right. Give us some final words, and we'll break it down.
1: Oh, were you asking me for final that, words? That was for you, I, yeah. Oh, I, 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 was, I was all attention waiting on your final words. <laughs>
0: no, your final words.
1: <laughs> my final words are, you know, we all come into life at whatever point it is. And sometimes it's not always good. As in my story, I was born basically and then lost my mother almost immediately. I think we just have to take life with however it comes and move from that point forward. And for myself, what I would probably say my final words. saw. So is just to take what you have learned and allow it to stir up in you the gifts that you don't even know are already there because I never knew that that curiosity for wanting to know what happened to my mother would lead to so many other people living their best life because I chose to say yes. Yes, I'm going to be curious. Yes, I'm going to be a high achiever, even though it burns me out. Yes, I'm going to just keep showing up and doing things afraid. You know, sometimes the the biggest part of your story are the yeses you say, even when you don't really understand where they're going to take you.
0: Love it. That's perfect. I have nothing else to add to that. So thank you very much for taking the time to come and join. Like I said, we definitely have not seen the last of you. So, um... I'm gonna connect you with some some of my podcast friends too to help you continue to spread the word. Um, are you familiar with, with Shay Brown?
1: Shea Brown. I do know Shay, yeah. You do know Shay,
0: okay. <laughs> have have you been on his show before?
1: I have not, no.
0: Okay, all right, so I'll reconnect you guys so you can you can get on the show. He's a he's a cool dude.
1: He yeah. really is. <laughs> Full yeah, of
0: energy. He's, yeah, he's been on my show. I've been on his. And then he's he was on one of my panels, too. Yeah, he's, he was just made. He was made for speaking. Like, that dude's got energy for <laughs> days. It's like, his show his show was on at 11 p.m. So remember earlier, wow. I, I said my, my days started in the 4 o'clock hour? Mm-hmm. So, so speaking at 11 o'clock, I mean... I think I did well, but this dude was still off the wall. So like, <laughs> I was like, I'm usually in bed three hours ago.
1: <laughs> I was like, you and I both. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All
0: right. So if we're not connected on Facebook, um, shoot me a, fr- a, a friend request. Robert B. Foster. You'll see my smiling face. Okay. Because uh, I make the, uh, I make me- messenger connections ju- just because emails get buried sometimes.
1: Okay. Sounds good.
0: All right. So thank you again and have a great day.
1: You too. Thank right, you. See ya. You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind.